Cowboy Nation, what up, what up, what up, everyone? Welcome to episode 175 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Let me take this time to thank everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. Rate and review wherever you listen to Combo's Court and punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Today's show, NBA skills coach and CEO of Pure Sweat, Drew Hanlon joins in. It was great talking skill development with Drew. You could find Drew on Instagram at Drew Hanlon. That's D-R-E-W-H-A-N-L-E-N. You know you could find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. NBA skills coach, CEO of Pure Sweat. Welcome to Combo's Court. How are you feeling today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Drew, obviously your craft is working on others' craft. What did you learn during this time? The country was paused. There was less gym access. What did you learn about your own craft? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the first thing is when the NBA shut down, uh, I believe it was on March 11th, um, I was actually en route to Philadelphia um, from Hawaii. And I landed in, in Phoenix and uh, I had a a ton of missed calls, a ton of text messages, uh, a lot of my clients reaching out to kind of asking me what should they do. And it was the first time really that we really, there was so much uncertainty that we couldn't put together a strategic plan. And so, um, you know, it was one of those things where uh, it gave all of us a chance to kind of, you know, step back away from the game and uh, really focus on other things outside of basketball. So I think you know, the biggest thing that I learned during this time was more so um, you know, that you, we think that everything has to happen a certain way just because uh, we're so used to, you know, being in kind of a, uh, you know, a program that allows us to be, you know, as efficient and effective as possible. But, um, you know, the truth is when you when we did take, you know, a month, most of the guys took at least a month off, um, as well as myself, I didn't, you know, work out anybody for over a month and a half with my family. You just realize how, um how not important some of the things that you prior, normally prioritize are, which, which is a good thing. Um, it really kind of put basketball in perspective. And then, um, you know, outside of that, it uh, gave me a chance to really kind of dive deeper on the kind of mental side of the game, which was something that a lot of players, uh, you know, struggle with. So it uh, gave me a chance to have, a, you know, a good, a good period of time where, that allowed me to really study the, the mind, the brain, and, and uh, you know, how our emotions and feelings and all that stuff interconnects. It's interesting you mentioned the mind part of training and becoming a good basketball player is a combination of so many things. Skill development, obviously you need it to become great. So how do you navigate your players through getting the right amount of skill development, also their strength and conditioning, make sure they're playing their sport. And also, of course, you got to get your rest. How do you navigate them through that? Yeah, I mean, so it's a team effort. You know, at the at the highest level, they normally have specialists in, in each category. A lot of the guys will have a strength coach, they'll have me on the skill side, they'll have right. a therapist that's managing their body, they'll have a nutritionist or a chef that's preparing all their meals, um, you know, and then obviously sleep super important to, to rest and recover as well. So um, it's definitely a team effort. Um, but I think the, the most important thing is, is making sure that, that guys feel great. 
Um, and then they're, you know, if their body feels great, that means they've, you know, done the right things in the weight room. They've done the right things with physical therapy and they've done the right things as far as uh, rest and recovery. And then making sure that they um, are super confident. And that comes down to being really prepared skill wise and being prepared mentally, um, you know, so that they trust, you know, the work that they have put in that it's going to pay off. So I think it comes down to those two things, making sure they feel great and making sure that they're really confident. And if, if they're, feeling great and really confident, then they're going to usually get good results. Drew, how have analytics changed the way you train players, if at all? A ton. I mean, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, the first guy that I really had to change, uh, you know, his game was Brad Beal. Um, Brad actually was first or second in the NBA in long two attempts. And uh, that was something that we knew he was going to have to, um, you know, kind of change about his game if he wanted to take his game to the next level. And so, um, you know, he was the first guy that we started, you know, the whole summer, we basically just worked on eliminating long twos. And so what that looked like was a lot of one-on-one games where, you know, he would get three points if he made a layup, he would get three points if he made a three, he would get one point if he made a mid-range shot. And uh, if he missed a layup, the defense got one. If he missed a three, the defense got one. And if he missed a mid-range, the defense got three points. And we just waited so heavily that it really didn't make sense to even attempt him. And so we basically eliminated the whole mid-range game uh, for a whole summer, not saying that we didn't want him to still have that aspect of his game. You know, he's got right. such a good step back and shuffle off and stuff like that. But we really had to kind of reprogram his thinking. Um, and then naturally when he's out there hooping, you know, if, if he gets the mid-range and can create separation, we want him to still take those shots. A bucket is a bucket. But right. uh, that was how it started. And, and uh, now, you know, I, Jason Tatum went through that same process last year. And you see his efficiency go through the roof this year um, where we really just eliminated long twos, work on attacking the basket more, and then work on generating more threes just because they're analytically more sound. So um, as analytics play, um, you know, a bigger part in the game, we, we, we focus on those two. And, um, you know, the biggest thing is that we can help players impact winning. And so um, if, if that impacts our ability to help their team win games, we've got to do it. Do you feel it frustrates players at times when an analytic team from whatever franchise it is tells the player to not shoot the mid-range or shoot it way less? For sure. I mean, uh, you know, Zach Levine was publicly, right. uh, he's one of my guys, and he was publicly, you know, kind of pissed off that, um, you know, I need to just play basketball at the beginning of the season. And he went on to have an amazing season, you know, 26 or 27 points a game and, uh, you know, elite efficiency from behind the three-point line and everything. And, the biggest thing for him was like, I just got to take what's there. And so I think the first thing is being a basketball player is the most important thing, but then also being strategic is, is a big part of, of, especially the regular season, you know, in the, in the playoffs baskets, the defensive schemes are so different right. that, you know, if you look at the history of, you know, the guys that have won recent championships, even in recent years, I mean, they're, a lot of their shots come in the mid range, hundred percent. Uh, you know, during the, during the postseason runs. And so, Dating back to, you know, Michael Jordan, and then you had uh, Dwayne Wade, and then you had, you know, Tim Duncan. Kawhi and, and Durant had, now. Know, Kawhi and Durant Hakeem, now. Yeah. Kawhi, Durant. I mean, yeah. you look at the last, like, 30, 35 champions. I mean, really, besides the year that the Warriors just won, you know, jack and threes, every other team, their, their best player has won in the mid-post or the mid-range. And so um, I don't think it should be discredited, especially in the postseason, but um, during the regular season – you know, it's, it's easier to get good shots uh, behind the three-point line or at the rim, and so that's what teams should try to do. Drew, one could argue that motor, feel for the game, and toughness are for the most part innate 
Would you agree? Yes and no. Um, you know, when I, when I, my high school coach was my biggest mentor still is to this day. And, um, you know, his motto was toughest team wins TTW. And, um, when I came into high school, I was a really skilled player. I'd worked really hard on my game throughout my entire life, shot a thousand shots before school every day. So I was one of those real elite workers, but I, and I was also, I was mentally tough, but I don't think I will, I didn't play dirty. I didn't play. And when I say dirty, I mean that in a good way. Like I didn't do the, I didn't get through ball screens. I didn't chase, you know, off of pin downs. I didn't box out. I didn't go, you know, fight for rebounds. And that's, that's real toughness. You know, I think sometimes people think toughness is like, you know, if, if somebody, uh, you know, fouls you, you get up in their face and get up in their grill. That's fake right. toughness. Real toughness is like being able to dig in and get a stop, being able to make an extra rotation and, and help your teammate out. Like those are things are real toughness. And I think that was taught to me. So I think, I think that, um, you know, uh, it, it, it is something that a lot of people just have within them, you know, from whether it's from childhood experience, whether it's just a competitive drive or whatever. But I also think that it can be, that can, that it can grow and expand, um, you know, with the right teacher. How do you go about building toughness in a player <clears throat> if you feel he's not tough enough? I mean, it starts by kind of understanding how they learn um, because that's a big thing, uh, being able to push the right buttons. And then it goes down to just, um, you know, whether they're uh, kind of a, somebody that is more factual or, or more feelings-based, you, you kind of use that to your advantage. There's some guys that all you have to do is show them a little, a little film, you know, or, an, or a couple analytics, and, and that gets them going. There's other guys that could care less about what they see or what they – uh, you know, what the stats are saying, and they're more about feelings. And if you can connect them to kind of their bigger purpose, you know, there's some guys that if I said, hey, listen, you're only shooting, you know, 33% from three, and if it goes up by, you know, four percentage points, you're going to average this many points per game, they might be like, yeah, I don't really care. But if you say, hey, listen, um, that's going to give you a chance to be an all-star, and I know how, you know, great that'll feel when you're an all-star, then it starts making more sense for them. So it's, it's not always about, hey, this is what's best for you. But it's also about this is what's best for you and this is why you should do it and this is how it benefits you. And if you go to those, you know, kind of three layers, then you're more likely to connect on a deeper level with that player and kind of nudge them in the right direction. Drew, it's the modern NBA is a free-flowing game. What role do you believe the jab step still plays in today's game? A ton. I mean, I, I still operate a ton out of the mid-post, um, you know, and I think that it's super important. Um, for players to just establish advantages you know obviously the best time to attack is right on the catch you know so if you can get clean sweeps or you know quick um, kind of playmaking ability then you do it but if you have the ball um, you you might only have two three seconds but if you can get guys in the triple threat you know moving defensively then you're gonna have an advantage and offensively you're basically using a jab it's just a dribble jab where you're you know basically stunting at them in either direction to try to get them to shift so uh, regardless if it's a jab out of triple threat or if it's a dribble jab where you're, you're you know jabbing and yeah, throwing right. shoulder fakes while you're while you're dribbling um, the biggest thing you want to do when you're attacking a defensive player is get them to shift east west so that you can go north south you know what I mean get them to shift laterally so that you can beat them downhill and then uh, hopefully there's defense rotations and you can you know create for yourself or others. Drew, I want to shift to the current state of skill development. Is there anything you see out there that is not beneficial for one's game that you're seeing a lot of? Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of trouble from people, um, you know, for saying don't do clown drills. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think that the thing is for me, um, I just feel bad for the kids. You know, right. it's one of those things where when I first started uh, training players, I did a ton of, you know, two ball drills or tennis ball drills because 
Uh, one, they're fun. Two, the kids, you know, enjoy them. And, um, you know, and three, I do think that those drills can get a player better. The problem is you can more efficiently and effectively use that time. And so right. what happens is a lot of kids run out of time. You know, they, you see kids all the time that, you know, they're, they're, they're working hard, but they're not getting game results. You know, it's, it's one of the most frustrating things for me. And I just wish that, I wish that player development was as simple as it should be. It should be, what does that player need to do well in a game and how do we get them to do it well? I mean, that's all really player development is. It's just get them really good at the things that they need to do in games. And the problem is um, basketball training has become more about marketing than it is about getting players better. And, and that's, that's a sad thing for me. So I would tell players, listen, you don't need cones. You don't need tennis balls. You don't need multiple basketball. All you got to do is get really, really good at the things you need to be able to do in a game. And if you do, you're going to play more minutes. You're going to have more opportunities and you're going to have a better chance at reaching, uh, you know, the best possible player that you can become. From the beginning of your time training NBA players, and I'm not talking about the best athletes. I'm talking about maybe the average athlete. Has that changed much over the years you've been training? Like, has athlete, how much has athleticism jumped since you started training NBA guys? Well, I mean, I think each, each generation, um, you know, the players just get taller, longer, quicker, faster, jump right. higher. So, you know, I mean, I'm in Philly right now with Joel Embiid, and you don't, you, you didn't see seven, two guys moving like he moved. You know what I mean? Like you didn't right. see the Kevin Durant's of the world where you're six eleven or the Giannis is the way he moves. You know what I mean? There's just so many players now that, um, you know, are bigger and taller versions of what the past had. You know, if you look at like even the Michael Jordan documentary for a lot of people that didn't follow Michael when he was actually in the NBA, if you look at that documentary, it's like, there weren't a bunch of unicorns running around that were skilled, you know, big guys. And nowadays, even the quote unquote bad shooters in the NBA, like the bad big men shooters in practice, they can still make 60, 70% of their threes, which, I mean, there were some NBA players like Shaquille O'Neal, probably the most dominant player in NBA history. I mean, you wouldn't even think about him going behind a three point line where nowadays modern centers, it's almost like a knock if they can't shoot three. So 100%. I think that, uh, I just think the game is growing where, uh, because it's more positionless and because teams are trying to take advantage of mismatches, um, you know, there's guards that are posting up more and there's bigs that are spacing the floor more. It's just kind of more interchangeable. And, and I think that um, athleticism plays a big part in that. Yeah, it makes sense for guards to post up because they have such great vision, you know, and we wanted to shoot a lot of threes in the current analytic NBA era. So I think it's good to post up your bigs, especially, I mean, your guards, especially if they have the vision, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it really all comes down to, to mismatches. And, and again, right. that's what basketball is all about. That's why people run ball screens. So you can get a two-on-one situation where, you know, the, the guy guarding the screen, uh, the screener has to guard two. Or, or you start getting rotations, and now you got a three-on-two on the weak side. So that's what, that's what the game's all about. The reason you, you run pin-down screens is, again, trying to gain an advantage, trying to get a trail defender so that now you're in a two-on-one, three-on-two, et cetera. So – the, the game of basketball is all about advantages, and sometimes that's just, uh, you know, taking advantage of the uh, defender that, that's guarding you. Drew, I've seen you post this question on your Twitter, um, so I'll ask you, who's better, Clay or Reggie? So it's funny because uh, uh, a true story. So Reggie Miller actually announced one of my NCAA tournament games when I was a player, and uh, unbelievable guy, like really, really nice. I grew up despising Reggie because <laughs> I was the biggest Michael Jordan fan. So when he shoved off Michael Jordan, no call, hit the game winner. From that moment on, as a child, I was like, all right, Reggie Miller, cheap shot, you know, whatever. Um, but obviously, I mean, a guy that 
you know, shot as well as he did, carried a, you know, a team for as long as he did. He's really good. I just think that the, the game has got so much better. I think that Clay is a better shooter and better defender. And, uh, you know, while he hasn't shown the ability to carry a team just because he hasn't right. had to, um, the, uh, I, I would lean with, with Clay, which is, uh, I know some people, some people uh, have a different opinion, but I would go with Clay. That carrier franchise thing, that's a real thing, though. That's tough to do for so many years. And they were a winning team, and they were a very, very good team. You're right, Clay hasn't had that opportunity yet. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's just hard. It's hard to compare players in different eras. I think that's something that uh, too many people get into. And, um, you know, I think it's just it's too hard because the game's changed so much. Drew, tell me more about your app. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the thing about, um, you know, the pandemic was a lot of people were just looking for workouts that they could do on their own. And so, um, you know, luckily for, for me and, and for my company, we had, you know, built a training app years ago um, so that players could experience kind of the exact same workouts they would get with me, um, you know, with me not in the gym. So just basically a little training tool that I wish I had when I was younger, um, you know, for younger, you know, younger players to kind of uh, work on their game in an efficient way. Drew, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Let us know where we could find you on social media and everywhere else. Awesome. No, I appreciate you having me on. And, um, you Anytime. know, if, if people have any, any questions or anything like that, uh, best way to reach me is either, you know, on my social media stuff, which is just my name at Drew Hamlin, or, um, you know, players can text me at 314-461-1862. Um, I have a text line for just uh, players and coaches that I try to, you know, share as much content as I can with them. There you go. Great stuff. You're always welcome back. Talk soon, Drew. Awesome. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Combos Court and big shouts to Drew for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, rate and review wherever you listen to Combos Court. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. And also, man, take a screenshot of this episode. Post it on your IG stories. Tag me at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. I'll repost it. Be on the lookout. For episode 176, Combo out.